0: through 8. And I want to talk to you today about the knock at midnight. This is a little parable of Jesus. It says, he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight? And say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has come to me on his journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within and say, don't trouble me. Don't bug me. The door is shut, and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you that he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Father, thank you for your word today. We pray that you will speak to us, and Lord, help us to see the value of of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and we thank you for it in His mighty name. Amen. Look at your neighbor and tell them the church has value. I'm telling you the church does <clears throat> have value. Now uh, this parable is primarily shared by Jesus, taught by Jesus, to teach us the value of persistence, not giving up in prayer we would not faint in the place of prayer perseverance continuing on but I want to take a little bit of a different angle to it and I want you to notice that he's giving us a situation where there was a knock on a door at the midnight hour now I got to reading this and it struck me there's no hour like midnight Uh, most curfews for young people are set for the midnight hour. I want to see you not one minute after midnight. You be here by midnight. A wise mother said to her daughter, "No good thing happens after midnight." Amen? Amen. In myths and fairy tales, the midnight hour was called the witching hour. Midnight. Cinderella. Remember the story of Cinderella. She was told by the fairy godmother, "You're going to have to leave the ball and come home and be here by midnight." Or you're going to be transformed in front of that prince back into the servant that you are. And, for, and remember, she forgot what time it was, and the clock struck midnight, and she f- had to flee, and she left her glass slipper behind. Midnight. The point is that midnight has always been a defining moment in our thinking. There's something about the midnight hour. And Jesus said, This knock came at midnight. There was a knock at midnight, and I believe that this parable particularly applies to our day. Because let me tell you something, church, there is a spiritual midnight. There is a physical midnight, natural midnight, and there is a spiritual midnight. And I believe right now in America, it is close to midnight. It's midnight. At midnight, think about it, colors lose their distinctiveness and they all blend together at midnight. At midnight, shadows appear real and what is real appears as a shadow. You can't tell the difference. Things are muddled and muddied at midnight. Right and wrong, good and bad, light and dark have lost their distinctiveness in America in the midnight hour. It's midnight. I'm going to tell you right now, spiritually out there in the culture, our world is groping in a twilight zone of spiritual grays. Things that used to be crystal clear have now lost their clarity and lost their distinctiveness. It's midnight. You can't tell what is what unless you're a believer and you're in the light of the Word of God. There has come a there has come a graying of everything. I'm going to tell you first, it's midnight in the social order. On the international horizon nations are engaged in endless wars, terrorism, violence, genocide. We've gotten so used to it that we don't even think much about it anymore when we hear about some terrible act of violence or some terrible war or some act of genocide in some other nation. The 20th century made all the centuries that preceded it pale in comparison. Two world wars were fought within a generation with multitudes of lesser wars in between. I mean, bunches of them. And the clouds of another world war are hanging low right now. Man now, in the midnight hour, has atomic nuclear weapons that within seconds could completely destroy the nations of the world, vaporize them. And even worse than that, rogue terrorist nations like Iran are locked in a race to obtain their own nuclear weaponry and have vowed to use it as soon as they get it. You know why? Because it's midnight. It's midnight in the moral order, is it not? It's midnight in the moral order. Moral principles have lost their distinctiveness. I am amazed at what I see Being allowed in our culture today morally, it is stunning, it's shocking, it's breathtaking. If you could take people who died in America in the 40s and 50s and pull them out of the grave and set them in America now, they would go into a state of shock. We're like the frog in the boiling water, we've been around it so much and watched it happen so slowly and incrementally, it's not occurring to us how bad it has really gotten For modern man, for our day, absolute right and wrong are a matter of what the individual or the majority decide and not what God says. So we're in the midnight hour because when you throw God out and you become the guide of your own life and a nation throws God out and becomes the guide of its own destiny, it's midnight. It's midnight when our children can no longer pray in school, but They can take a class on sexual issues that would make a normal adult blush. It's midnight. It's midnight in America. It's midnight when a judge cuts off water to 750,000 acres of California farmland, leaving thousands and thousands of farmers in poverty to save a little fish. Yet nothing can be done for over a million babies aborted every year in the same country. It's midnight when you save a fish and kill a child. It's midnight. <clears throat> it is midnight when two Florida school teachers are dragged into court for praying at a school luncheon facing fines up to $5,000, six months in jail, and the loss of their retirement benefits, and this in a country that was birthed by Christians and birthed in prayer. It's midnight. It's midnight when God is pushed out of our thoughts, when we legislate Him away through our courts, when we ban Him from our society and erase Him from the minds of our children it's midnight. Whether or not you know it, the clock is striking midnight in America and it's getting darker by the day. Yea, by the hour, it's getting darker. But Jesus said at the midnight hour, there was a knock and an opportunity. A man was looking for bread. Oh, hear me today, church. I've got a word from the Lord today. I know I do. A man was looking for bread. He didn't even have enough. He didn't have enough to share with a guest who came to his home. And here's what I believe Jesus' point is. Things get desperate in the midnight hour. People get hungry in the midnight hour. People go searching for bread in the midnight hour. The midnight hour may be bad for the world, but it's an opportunity for the church. The Bible says seize the season, make the most of every opportunity for the days are evil. I believe in the midnight hour, there is an opportunity for the church like we have never seen. And I want you to know today how important you are in the scenario of the midnight hour. I believe this simple parable of Jesus is a message to the church, his future church. At the midnight hour, people come looking for bread. And no doubt about it, the midnight hour is the days just before his return. Jesus is near, he's at the very door. He said, When you see all these things happening, you better lift up your head because your redemption is drawing nigh. The trumpet's about to be blown, Jesus is about to return. History as we have known it is about to be wrapped up. Do you really believe that, Pastor Jeff? Oh, I believe it. Listen, the same Bible that tells me that gave me John 3.16. And every prophecy, most prophecies in the Bible have already been fulfilled. There's only a few left. And one of them is the imminent return of Jesus Christ. And Jesus said that he would return in the midnight hour when he was not expected when nobody knew the time or the hour, he said, That's when I'm gonna come back. At midnight, people begin to search for bread. It's an opportunity for the church. Listen, at the midnight hour, they will come knocking on the door of the church. I believe this with all of my heart. And when, what does the true, blood bought, spirit filled church of the Lord Jesus Christ have to offer? Why would they come knocking? on the door of the church. I'm going to tell you why. Because as midnight creeps up on us, people are going to be looking for what Jesus called himself, the bread of life. They're going to be looking for the bread of life. Jesus didn't mince words. Jesus knew that when he told this parable about a man looking for bread, in John's gospel he called himself the bread. He called himself the bread of life. So there's no question in my mind he was using this parable to draw an illustration to let us know that in a midnight hour when things are troubled and perilous there is a famine that takes place out there in that world. A famine for truth. A famine for spiritual reality. A famine for God. And they go knocking somewhere. And I believe that we're in the hour, that people are going to be knocking on the door of the church. I talked to a group of Baptist men yesterday morning, got up at 6.30 to go minister to a Baptist men's breakfast. They had me in because of the radio. Here's a whole bunch of Baptist men. And I told them, I said, listen, you've got something the world doesn't have. And I said, you've got the bread of life. You've got what the world can never give itself They've got to get it from God, the bread of life. Well, they started out real, just kind of staring at me. Before I was done, I had a couple of them standing up clapping. That's good for a Baptist prayer group. Even the preacher, amen, he was looking at me like he didn't know what to make of me at first because I wasn't from a Baptist church. I was from one of those. Did you know you're one of those? Now, now what I noticed in this story is there had been disappointment in the past on the hungry man's part. He had been disappointed in the past with the house that he's been knocking on, but that didn't matter at midnight. Jesus said that this man had in the past walked away empty-handed, having heard the following discouraging words. Here's what he heard. Don't trouble me. Don't bug me. don't, Don't hassle me. The door is now shut. My children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. What he heard was discouraging words. Don't want to fool with you. Can't mess with you. We four and no more are nice and comfy in our little house. Go away. He had heard that. But listen, when midnight struck, his past disappointments with this house did not matter. He wanted bread. There's a lot of people out there disappointed with the local church. A lot of people out there that are not in church because they got offended. They got hurt. They got something happened and it turned them away from the church. But I'm going to make a prediction to you. There's going to be a flocking. There's going to be a gathering. There's going to, be an, there is going to be a race towards the church in the midnight hour. And they're going to forget what has happened in the past because they know one thing. They may be imperfect. They may have hurt me. But I know there's bread in the house. There's bread in the house. Oh, church, I want you to understand the calling of God on us today. We are here for such a time as this. It is midnight. America has never been in the trouble we're in right now. It is midnight. We have never seen such darkness walk across this land as now. It's midnight. But there is a call on the church. Seize the opportunity Because hungry people are going to come knocking on your door and they're going to want the bread of life. I told these Baptist men, you've got the bread of life. You've got Jesus in you who is the hope of glory. And because of that, they're going to come knocking. Are you ready? They're going to come knocking. You know, I used to drive by a Mrs. Baird's bread factory on my way to work. And I knew it was coming before I ever saw it. Every single time, you know why? I could smell that bread cooking. I can't tell you how many times I went to the store because of the aroma I had smelled going by that place. It was just all around it like an anointing, like an aura, that incredible fragrance of baking bread. I used to go to the store and say, I want Mrs. Barrett's bread. Only Mrs. Barrett's bread will do. Why? Because I've smelled it. I know what it smells like cooking. Can I tell you what a real church does? A real church does like that Mrs. Baird's bread factory. It puts off the aroma. I'm I'm telling you, church, it puts off the aroma (laughs) of the bread of life. The church doesn't have Mrs. Baird's bread. The church has wonder bread. Wonder bread. And people smell it. Oh, word gets out when Jesus is in the house. I'm telling you, word gets out when Jesus is in the house. When Jesus is in the house, you can't keep it in. You can't hide it. You can't conceal it. You can't muffle it. You can't can't tone it down. When Jesus is in the house, word is going to get out. There's bread in that house. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what race you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter what sign is hanging on the door. It doesn't matter how nice the building is. If bread is in the house, they're going to come from the north, they're going to flock from the south, they're going to attack it from the east, and they're going to come from the West when bread is in the house. <clears throat> they know He is there. They know Jesus is there. Word gets out. And do you know the word is getting out? People are walking into this church saying, I've heard that people are getting saved, heard people are getting delivered. I've heard that people are being fed and you can't keep them away. In three weeks, we have had 70 people join the church. In three weeks, 70. Well, it's not me. It's not the name on a sign. It is not a location. Because you can be in the middle of a cornfield and if Jesus is in the house, they will find a way to get to you. It said when Jesus was in the house, there wasn't room enough to receive them. No, not so much as about the door. Now I'm about to tell you why the church is so important, so needed, so crucial, especially in this midnight hour. Here's why. The church has three kinds of bread that they cannot get apart from Jesus. Now I want you to know that our Jesus can give you something no one else can give you. Our Jesus can fulfill you in a way that nothing else can. Anything other than Jesus is a counterfeit and it will not ultimately fulfill you our jesus is the bread of life our jesus is the light of the world our jesus is the way the truth and the life and no man gets to the father but through him our jesus died for your sins and no one else not muhammad not buddha not confucius not anybody jesus died for your sins Now, here's the three kinds of bread we've got, and they're going to come looking for them in this midnight hour. The bread of hope, the bread of love, and the bread of forgiveness. Now, let me take the bread of hope. The Bible says that hope is going to disappear. As the end draws near, hope is going to fade. As a matter of fact, rather than being filled with hope, Jesus said there will be signs in the sun, moon, and stars on the earth nations are going to be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. He said men will faint and die, have heart attacks from terror, apprehensive, fearful of what is coming on the world for the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Now, what does hope mean? Hope means you wake up looking forward to tomorrow. You look forward to what tomorrow is bringing. You look forward to what God is going to do in your life. Every believer who names the name of Christ ought to wake up excited about the day because he's got you in his hands, and he is working out his plan, and heaven isn't very far off. We ought to wake up excited about tomorrow, but see, if you're not walking with Christ and you're out there in the midnight hour and you're groping in the dark and everything has become gray, and you don't know what the answer is and what the truth is, you see what is coming upon the world, and you faint. You faint from terror. You're apprehensive, not excited about what the future is bringing. At midnight, out there, all the things the world has placed its hope in, the Bible says, will collapse like a house of cards. They will watch as their earthly heroes collapse. The financial structures are going to collapse. Their hopes for peace will collapse in the face of the worst wars the world has ever seen. They're going to find themselves in a world being shaken, being rocked and rolled, reeling, stunned, shaken, and undone. They will run to the place where the bread of hope survives and thrives. And I'm going to tell you who's going to have hope. It's going to be the blood-bought, spirit-filled church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to have the bread of hope. Here's our message. Hope is in the house because of who is in the house? And Jesus Christ is in the house. And because He's in the house, we've got hope. Now, hope, according to the Bible, is this. Hope is a future certainty grounded in a present reality. It's a future certainty grounded in a present reality. So what is the present reality? The present reality is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now I want you to hear me well today. Our hope does not rest in a religion. Our hope does not rest in a political party. Our hope does not rest in a nation. Our hope rests in the person of Jesus Christ and hope springs from the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead which is a present reality that can never be stolen away from you and me there is false hope and when you put your hope in something false the legs are always knocked out from under you the carpet is pulled out from under you and you always wind up looking like a fool but when you put your hope In the resurrection of Jesus Christ, it will never be shaken, never be removed. You will never lose it. It will never, you will never wake up disillusioned with sand sifting through your fingers. No, no, no. I wake up every day with victory because he rose from the dead. He rose from the dead. And you know what his resurrection did? His resurrection affirmed and confirmed every red letter in the Bible. When he said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In my Father's house there are many mansions. If it were not so, I would tell you the truth. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And I'm going to come again and receive you unto myself. Well, that sounded great. But I want to know if he's going to rise from the dead, which will confirm that he is who he said he was. And when Jesus Christ woke up and undid those grave napkins from his face, stood up in the middle of that grave. He gave hell a coronary. When he walked out into the noon, into the morning sun, when he walked out into the morning sun, let me tell you, God's amen came over everything he had ever said. And so that's why, listen to what Simon Peter called it. He said, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Where does our hope come from? It comes from His resurrection. Because He has risen we will also rise from the dead. Because He has risen, everything He said has been confirmed. I've got a living hope. It's alive and it's never going to die because it's based on the one thing that can't be stolen away from me, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Well, that's the present reality. What's the future certainty? The future certainty is we have coming our way a new heaven and a new earth in which righteousness dwells, says Simon Peter again, but in keeping with his promise we are looking forward to. That's hope. We're looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth, the home of righteousness. The present reality, he's risen from the dead. That resurrection gives us a future certainty. A new heaven is coming and a new earth where righteousness dwells. Heaven is on the way. Hope is when you look up. And you're looking forward to the future. Do you today? When you wake up, do you look forward to the future? You excited about what God's doing in your life? Is there a skip in your step step and a smile on your face? I told those men yesterday, I said, here's what I tell my church. If you leave church and you go to a restaurant and you're looking down and sour like you just lost your best friend, don't tell them you were at my church that morning. (laughs) You go out there and you smile." And you, 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 put a, you put a Jesus smile on your face because it doesn't matter what you're going through. He is risen. It doesn't matter what mountain you're looking at. He is risen. It doesn't matter how deep the valley. He is risen. It doesn't matter what the devil has thrown against you. I'm telling you, you're more than a conqueror through him who loved you. And if God before you, who can be against you? So get out there, smile, and say, I was just at Turning Point Church and we heard about Jesus Christ and his resurrection and I am filled with hope because you've got bread. You've got bread. Now the second kind of bread the church possesses is the bread of love. The precious, priceless commodity of love is going to all but disappear in that midnight hour Listen to what the Bible predicts about the decline of the character of men. Paul says, but you better know this. There's going to be terrible times, perilous times, and that's translated from the Greek that means stressful, stress-infested times in the last days, in the midnight hour. And here's what's going to make it stressful, the character of people. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy. And listen to this, without love, without natural affection. I don't know about you, but I, I can tell you I know this. At least sometime every week after you've watched the news, you have said something like this. How could they have done that? How could they have committed that act? How could they have perpetrated that kind of evil? How could they have done that? How how could they have gone there? I'm going to tell you how. The heart of man is desperately wicked. And I'm losing my cankerchief there. The heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? The heart of man is evil. It's capable of anything. Without Jesus Christ, you can do anything. You can go to any depth. You can sink to any level. Without Jesus Christ living in your heart by grace, And Paul said one of the earmarked characteristics of last day people, midnight hour people, they're not going to have natural affection. That's how they can do it. Their consciences are seared. They've been destroyed by sin. They're not natural. They're not normal. They are fallen. They are disconnected. They are the walking dead. That's how they can do it. They don't have holiness. They don't have love. They're not grateful. The only thing they love is themselves. They're narcissistic, and they love money. They are twisted. They are upside down, not right side up. I'm telling you, in the midnight hour, the church is going to have the bread of love. Do we have the bread of love? You know, we got a call. lady that was talking to my wife last night, and she said, I can't tell you what it has meant to me. I suffered the loss of a family member, and when I lost this family member, I really struggled in my faith towards God. I went through a faith crisis, and I struggled for over a year. And I was out of church all that time. But when I came back, I was greeted at your door with love. And I couldn't get to my seat without being loved on more. And she said, it was that love that reached me and touched me and helped heal me and restore me. And without pointing her out, she's in this service today. And she said it was the love in that church. Church, I'm telling you, we've got something the world can't give you. The world is selfish. The world is living for itself. The world will step on you to rise the corporate ladder. The the, the world is void of agape love. But the church that is growing in Jesus, the church that is walking with Him, the church that is connected to the vine and the vine dresser, the Bible says that they will have love. That's the first fruit of the Spirit, love. And you know what? That's what they smell. They, they know that it is there. And if you love people, they will come from everywhere just to get some of that loving. They will. They'll come. And that's bread. That's bread. And so we're going to keep on greeting people just like we do because they love being greeted with love. Everybody needs love. What the world needs now is love. And it's fading fast. Here's what's going to happen at midnight, weary of being betrayed, slandered, hated, lied to, and wronged. They're going to come knocking, drawn to the church like a moth to a flame. They want the bread of love. And then the last thing they want that we've got, that Jesus has given us, is they want the bread of forgiveness. You remember the story of Pilgrim's Progress, where the main character was always walking around with that great big backpack on his back, Pilgrim. Remember, he's always walking around with that great big backpack on his back, and he's walking around like this. He's burdened down with the guilt and the shame of sin. It's it's bowing his back. It makes him always stare at the ground. He's burdened with every step that he takes because every step that he takes, he's being burdened down with the shame and the guilt of his sin, and he's always looking for a way to lose that backpack. Because sin will kill you, sin will rob you, sin will destroy you, sin will take your joy and ruin your peace and ruin your relationships and ruin your destiny. Sin is a vampire. It will suck the life's blood out of you. It will destroy you in a short amount of time. And it lays you down with guilt. Jesus said all you who labor and are heavy laden That's what sin does. And listen, that world out there in the midnight hour is walking just like pilgrim. Walking around just like pilgrim. Laden down with sin, moral sin, drug sin, sin that is eating them up alive like termites in a house, they're being destroyed by the day, compromised by the day, ruined by the day. And they're looking for a way. How can I get this backpack? How can I get this weight off my back? It's bowing me down. I can't even look people in the face. I just stare at the ground. This sin is becoming more than I can bear. And, and, and that's going to be happening in spades in the midnight hour. Because sin will be so pronounced. Sin will be galloping at a level never before seen. Look at the sin out there now. How do they stand it? They don't. They smoke it away they drink it away, they shoot it away, they toke it away, they try to numb it and medicate it away. Problem with that is it always wears off. You wake up after the drink, you wake up after smoking it, you wake up after shooting it, you wake up after snorting it. And when you do, whatever made you do it in the first place was not fixed. It's still there. It's the backpack. It's the backpack. And what you really need is for somebody to roll your sins away. You're going to need, and and see, here's what the church has, and nothing else can give it to them, nothing but Jesus Christ. We have the bread of forgiveness. They're not going to come knocking on the door of the church per se for the church to forgive them, but they're going to be knocking on the door saying, is there any way I can get rid of this backpack? Is there any way I can get rid of this guilt? Is there any way I can ditch this shame? Is there any way I can smile again? Is there any way I can enjoy life again? Is there any way I can get off this drug or get off of this, this addiction that I've got? Is there any way that I can be free and enjoy life again? And our message is you better believe it. Amen. There once was a man named Jesus. He was God's only begotten son. And he walked this earth and told us how to live. And then He died on a cross of shame, spilled His innocent blood so that your backpack could be taken off your back, so the guilt could be rolled away, and He will forgive you. He will forgive your sin. And oh, there's nothing like it. When that backpack falls off, you feel like you are floating. You remember when you used to carry your children around on your back? Remember you put them up there and carry them around, and when you put them down and you felt like you did like this? When somebody gets forgiven of their sin, they feel like they are floating. It's like, I'm floating. I've been carrying that weight for so long, but now the blood of Jesus has rolled it away. Nothing can take care of your sin like the blood. Only the blood can wash your sin away. Only the blood can take the shame away. Only the blood. You say, well, Pastor, I've gone so far down and I've done so many things. It doesn't matter. The blood is mightier than anything you have ever done. The blood is mightier than your sin. The blood is mightier than any devil. The blood is mightier than any addiction. That blood washes your sin away. We've got an answer for the guilt and the shame and the lostness. And it's Jesus Christ. Can you stand with me? Say with me, the bread of hope. The bread of love. The bread of forgiveness. That's why... You and I have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. When you go out of there today, say, boy, I was loved at my church. Boy, I got my hope stoked at church. Boy, I'll tell you, I experienced forgiveness at the church because of who is in the church. How many of you see your importance in God? Say with me, this right here is a bread factory. Yeah. Paul said, you're an aroma of life unto life. And I want us to pray. Jason's youth ministry is a bread factory. Pastor Ray's ministry to kids, a bread factory. Ministry to addictions, a bread factory. We're a bread factory. Father, we just thank you right now That there's bread in the house by the grace of God. And we pray that at this midnight hour, you will help us to shine. Help us to shine. And help us to seize the opportunity at midnight and see people find what they're looking for. I commission you in the name of Jesus as your pastor. As you go out these doors, you've got the bread. You've got the bread. Don't keep it to yourself. You've got hope, you've got love, and you've got the answer for forgiveness. I want you to take the bread and go out there and give it away. Father, thank you for helping us and blessing us. Now I want you to pray with me. And we're going to make a little commitment to the Lord that we're going to take this bread and we're going to take it out there and we're going to minister to people. Just give it away. Say, Lord Jesus, <clears throat> Christ in me is the hope of glory. Help me to take the bread and share it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Give Him a hand of to praise today, can you?